Hello, Good. how are you? Hello, Katarina. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can you hear me well? Yes, I can hear you really well. Because um, I got a message saying that the connection is weak, but I, I don't. Yeah, I sometimes get that too. And um, we're, we tell each other when it's actually bad because I think sometimes the app says that and then it's actually fine. And then sometimes the app says nothing and we cannot hear each other well. So I think. Okay. Oh, um, because, yeah. Marco, meet Victoria. She is the co moderator. Um, so if it's okay with you she usually asks before we start with the presentation um how if you're okay with it a question like how did you become a scientist or uh, how did you get interested to work in the field uh i th we think like the audience likes to hear about like a little bit about the personal journey of uh -huh. a scientist is that is that okay. good yeah 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 well, there's nothing very special actually, but okay, why not? <laughs> the humility. <laughs> okay, now I can hear everything. Good morning, Jamie. Good and good morning, morning Marco and Katarina. Nice Mo morning, Doctor. Thank you for making it today. So we'll wait a few minutes, uh, yeah. like around five minutes. And in the meantime, I'll add the link to the presentation. If um, anyone's want to try to to look at the presentation and check if it's working, I think it should be working. But yeah, if you uh -huh. and. So how is everyone's weekend? So I told, um, so Jamie, he was uh, there until the end of the room of last night. Until when did it go last night? It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know Jamie? You're in Scotland, right? So until yeah. when did it go? Are you I'm, hearing I'm sorry. Me? I was trying. I was. Oh, I was trying. To, I was trying to close the window of the link for the 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 uh, the post that you made. <laughs> I was trying. Um, oh, don't worry. Uh, yeah, it, it went till like uh, nine uh, nine thirty a.m. my time, which was I think. Uh, what is it you said, Serena? Said five thirty her time. Oh wow, five thirty a.m. in U.S. So you didn't sleep. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> I I. Uh, uh, I find time to sleep sometimes all around about, but it was a very interesting conversation. It was really, really interesting. We were going to big into metaphysics and everything like that. It was, uh, it was well beyond me, I'd have to say, but fascinating nonetheless. That was an eight hour room. Good work, everyone. That was it. That was eight yeah. hours of conversation. That, that's the second one. Last week was the yeah. same thing. Oh my goodness. So much to talk about. Don't yeah. worry, Marco. You we may leave. Know. You may leave and set a boundary with us. We won't keep you for eight hours. 
Although we did uh, have it written out. It's totally up to you. Um, how is things in Florence at the moment, Marco? It's uh, cloudy. It's, uh... Excuse me, I can't hear you very well. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I coming through clearer now? I hear you very clearly. Jamie, yep. Jamie, I can't hear you. Testing, testing, testing. Hello. Yeah, yep. I can. I can oh, hear yes. you. Can you? Can you hear me, Marco? I can. I can. Yeah. Um, can you hear everyone else or just Jamie? Not very well. No, no, I can hear now. No, Jamie uh, was uh, not very clear. Okay, sorry about that. You're is stronger. Am I back now? Yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, so if Florence a bit cloudy at the moment, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so, as, sorry. Um, Marco, is there anything you can do to increase your volume? Uh, uh, of the microphone? Yes. Uh, There's a tiny bit. Let me try. Victoria. Yes, perfect. Yes, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Love that. Yes, that's great. Okay, fine. I had the headphone, and so the microphone uh, in the in the headphone perhaps is not very efficient. Welcome to so. <laughs> yeah, people have said that that they have um, high quality headphones and things, and then we continue to ask them can you just take those things off we can't hear you anyway so um, yeah thank you it's it's really typical here <laughs> okay yeah my headphones are in principle a high quality but okay that's okay. the worst kind <laughs> yes so i bought last week also uh headphones the the ones with the noise canceling and everything because I thought sometimes I have background noise uh, going on, and it was the worst. <laughs> so, I don't know why I was so annoyed that I spent all this money for nothing. So, yeah. Hi, everyone. Hi, Rich, Ethan, Eric, Denise, Serena. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for coming. Uh, should we wait another minute? Or should we just go ahead and, and start? It's up to you. Okay, let me start by introducing Dr. Michael Patini to um to our club, and then and then Victoria can can ask the interesting question, and then the stage is yours. Um, so, just to tell you a little bit, um, so first of all, welcome to Science Society, everyone. Um, really glad you made it, and um, I'm very thankful for our guest speaker, Dr. Marco Pettini, who made very kindly um, his schedule, opened up his schedule for talking with us here today. Um, so, thank you, and uh, yeah, to tell you a little bit about him, Marco Pettini is a full professor of theoretical physics um, at the Department of Marseille, um, ex-Marseille University. 
and leader of the nonlinear dynamics group at the Center for Theoretical Physics um, of the CNRS. Um, and he received the Laureate in Physics with full marks and honors in 1978 from the University of, uh, I'm saying it for sure wrong, Firenze, Italy. And yeah. <laughs> the habilitation at Diriger, the research um, ADHR from the former University of Marseille. He has published uh, more than 100 papers and uh, wrote a book, uh, Geometry and Topology in Hamiltonian Dynamics and Statistical Mechanics uh, with Springer. And he made very a lot of original com uh, contributions to nonlinear dynamics and its applications. And um, he has formulated a new and successful theory explaining the origin of Hamiltonian chaos by resorting to Riemannian differential geometry and a new theory of phase transitions resorting to differential topology, which allows to describe the transitional phenomena in finite small n systems. And also in polymers, proteins, amorphous and disordered materials. So he, had, he worked in atomic physics, statistical mechanics and nonlinear dynamics um, so, um, yeah, we are very honored to have you here. Um, and, um, yeah, thank you for being here and Victoria, go ahead. <laughs> Many thanks for the invitation. First of all, I will repeat uh, what Katharina said in that we are so excited to have you here. And I was just looking over, um, this Google Doc that you've sent us. And I have to also thank you for sharing. I think people in the audience will really enjoy it. It's elegant and colorful, and um, it's a lot of fun to look through. And I have to say, I yeah, I was just really excited because the first two charts are something where you look at it and think, yeah, I always wondered how everything happens in there too. It's so much going on. And so I'm, I'm really excited for you to get to the, um, Yes, to your presentation. And so what I, I'm wondering is when in your life, and this could be in, in your youth or now, when did you notice the first glimmer of interest in science that, that you were going to be connected and, and do your work in science? And then also, if you don't mind, how did that interest lead you to your research that you're doing now? So, you know, this presentation about long distance um, Excuse me, I have ah, my call. Forgive me. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm back. My screen just disappears. Um, yeah, so your research in long distance electrodynamic interactions among biomolecules is just, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear you talk about that. But if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your path, and before I release you to your microphone, I want to ask friends in the audience to keep in mind that people are using different devices. So when we're finished speaking, it's helpful to people if we say, this is Victoria and I'm done speaking, or excuse me, whatever your own name is. So that will help us uh, create a more inclusive space. So thank you so much. And Marco, the mic is yours. Okay, thank you, Victoria. Thank you, Katerina, for the invitation. 
so my path uh, began uh, while I was a child because my father used to make small experiments in physics and uh, uh, gave to me interesting books with many pictures, with many things that excited me. And, uh, and so <clears throat> um, from uh, my, my childhood, I decided that I would like in, in, in the future uh, to become a scientist and to go deeper into all this uh, uh, stuff. And uh, it is actually what I did. And uh, I used also to uh, study physics, mathematics, and many other things uh, uh, outside the, 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 the main courses at college uh, and so on. And so, but then uh, nothing special. I went to the university studying physics. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, I made a very standard path uh going through all the steps that brought me up to the the, the highest <laughs> position in an, in an academic career and uh, the only thing that i can say is that uh, uh, i'm passionate i've been uh, always passionate of science of what i uh, what i was doing and uh, and uh, i grew up uh, many uh, pupils and now many of them are professors uh, one of them is professor uh, in houston and uh, full professor in houston and many others uh, around uh, europe uh, okay but there's nothing special actually only the the curiosity and passion for understanding things uh, I, I don't know what, what else I, I could say. For what concerns, uh, so I, I, I began uh, as an experimentalist in atomic physics, and then uh, I jumped uh, uh, through different other topics, uh, and uh, uh, and I also did, uh, after some years, uh, some mathematical physics. And uh, so, so I, I have a broad, uh, uh, a variety of interests in uh, physics and theoretical physics uh, and but my first experience left me uh, the the interest also for the interaction with uh, uh, experimentalists even if i became a theoretical physicist i, I always try to get uh, um, in touch and to to uh, to stimulate my colleagues, experimentalists, to uh, verify something. Uh, something I, I was working on as a theoretician, of course. And uh, uh, when I got my uh, professorship uh, in France, uh, I had the opportunity uh, to work with biologists, with molecular biologists. And this has been a fascinating experience. And so, the, the, the topic of my talk is uh, the outcome of a 10 years long uh, uh, research uh, done in collaboration with experimentalists and, uh, and molecular biologists. I don't know if this is enough or satisfactory. That's fascinating. We appreciate it so much. It, it just lets us know a little bit about who you are. And as we have 
we have different guests come in and I think it's helpful to learn what people's paths are and what the drivers are, you know, that motivate each of us because we never know when, when we need that little bit of push and it's just really fascinating. So thank you so much, Marco. You're welcome. My thanks to you. And if so, you are ready, then you may launch into your delivery of your research. Okay, so so you mean uh, the talk, today's yes, talk? Yes, and I would like to tell you, I um, because maybe you haven't spent so much time on Clubhouse, but if you see people um, flashing their mics, like it would look like this. If you see okay. the screen, that means that's that's Clubhouse applause. So if you Pardon? see happening it's not a glitch it means people are, are like yay <laughs> so all right your turn thank you and then um we there is the there is the link up above that has your document and if while you're speaking there's anything else that you would like us any other link you'd like us to share um then just please let us know and have thank you marco enjoy yes uh, let me add just one thing as i told to katarina um uh, I'm available. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I know anything, nothing about the audience, uh, the, 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 uh, and so uh, if uh, somebody is interested in uh, uh, having more technical details and so on, uh, I, I'm I'm available to be contacted by email and, uh, and so. Wonderful. Okay. I can already tell. I certainly will. Okay, fine. And Marco, there's a room okay. chat. I don't, I don't want to distract you, but there's a room chat going on, and sometimes people put questions in there. And I'm sure Katarina has told you that afterward we'll have a Q&A if that's okay with you. So there are those yeah, yeah. avenues as well, current for you know um, synchronous to this talk. But we'll uh, we'll bring any um, questions from the chat to your attention. You won't have to pay attention to that part, Marco. Uh, uh, yeah, but listen, Katharina, you can interrupt me if there are questions and uh, uh, if somebody needs some clarifications, uh, I, I can I can interrupt and uh, and interact. Uh, uh, we okay. not Thank you. We, okay, we don't have to leave Q and A necessarily at the end. Okay. It can okay. Q and A in in situ. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> okay. Okay, listen, as I was uh, telling to Katharina, uh, I, at the beginning of my career, I used blackboards and chalks. Then I uh, make a, made a change to transparents uh, to, uh, so, and then uh, to PowerPoints, and then uh, now it's another change. Uh, it is somewhat strange for me not to see people and uh, okay anyway uh, let let me begin with the with the talk so uh, i hope you can see uh, the slides and uh, so the topic uh, as you have already seen is uh, the uh, the proof actually uh, of the existence of long distance electrodynamic interactions so forces among biomolecules. And this is uh, what I'm going to present today is uh, the content of a paper which has been recently published in Science Advances. 
And so if you need the, uh, the reference, it, it is an open access, uh, so everybody can, can get it. Okay, now, uh, the slide two. Slide two uh, gives you the general uh, framework, and so the basic question. As a theoretical physicist, uh, but as a physicist, a fascinating and highly intriguing uh, problem or conundrum also is uh, uh, by looking at what happens in living matter uh, is the following question. Uh, we know that in each cell, we, uh, uh, we know already uh, some uh, 30,000 uh, biochemical reactions, but uh, reasonable estimates uh, uh, suggest that this could be uh, 100,000, so 100,000 uh, interactions uh, in our cells. So very, our cells are very crowded, and uh, uh, all the biomolecules find their cognate partners uh, at the right place, at the right moment, in the right sequence. And uh, so, as a physicist, uh, when something material moves, you need forces. And so, how do the partners of this, uh, uh, all these uh, huge, uh, very complicated biochemical machinery find each other. And uh, I, I don't know if we can see the slide number three, where I reported a, a, an image out of uh, hundreds, perhaps, of similar images. Uh, this comes from uh, a Japanese repository, and it represents uh, a, a metabolic pathway. Each node represents a molecule, and each link represents uh, an interaction. And so, it, it, the, the complexity of what's going on inside our cells is uh, really astonishing. And uh, uh, since uh, water is ubiquitous, uh, inside our cells, the, <clears throat> the current explanation, uh, the current answer to this question is that the random hits of water molecules on the biomolecules, uh, proteins or uh, whatever, ma mainly proteins, uh, these random hits made May make these biomolecules, these uh, these objects, uh, move randomly. Uh, uh, this is a, what we call a Brownian motion, and so the idea is that, uh, driven by these random uh, forces, the cognate partners of all the biochemical reactions taking place inside cells find sooner or later uh, find themselves uh, uh, thanks to this. Uh, uh, blind motion. I don't know if you can see in the slide number five, uh, there is a small movie representing this, uh, uh, this Brownian motion. The problem is that uh, some uh, easy estimate uh, of how many 
uh, of the molarity needed by all these uh, uh, molecules tells us that it is not possible. It is not a convincing uh, and tenable uh, explanation. And so the idea that has been put forward already many years ago is that some uh, selective attraction could be at work. So uh, when uh, a, a molecule is needed somewhere, the partner says, so to speak, uh, uh, come here and need you. Huh? And uh, forgive me, forgive me for this uh, naive uh, uh, way of. Uh... Well, so first of all, uh, the proteins are charged and have uh, electric dipole moment, non vanishing usually. And so the, the, the first uh, candidate uh, to make long distance attract, attraction uh, are um, electrostatic uh, forces, electrostatic interactions. So charge, charge, dipole, dipole, charge, dipole, and so on. The problem is that uh, there are uh, inside cells a lot of uh, small ions, and these ions screen all these electrostatic interactions. And uh, the effective uh, range of action of these electrostatic interactions is less than 10 angstroms. So uh, these are made uh, of, short, uh, of short range. And then there is another point, uh, water as a strong dielectric, uh, a, a high dielectric uh, uh, constant uh, uh, value, which means that this, this is an additional uh, mechanism of weakening the electrostatic interactions. Okay, then where else can we find uh, other, other uh, interactions are other forces. Uh, the next candidates are oscillating uh, electromagnetic fields. And so in the slide number seven, for example, you can see uh, these two uh, pictures showing, uh, okay, the scheme of a small device with which people has measured uh, uh, the loss of uh, ion screening when uh, a, an electric field is applied, an oscillating electric field is applied uh, to an electrolyte uh, of the same uh, ionic strength uh, of, uh, of uh, our cells, for example. And it has been found that oscillating electric fields with frequencies already of a few hundreds of megahertz uh, are not screened by uh, a, an ionic strength typical of, uh, of living cells. And there is another interesting fact with uh, oscillating electric fields, the dielectric constant of water uh, drops uh, down to uh, from around 80 
which is the static value to a, a much smaller value around uh, four five already uh, in for a few hundreds of gigahertz uh, of uh, frequency and uh, and what uh, and uh, this has been proposed uh, almost half a century ago by a distinguished uh, theoretical physicist Herbert Froelich, uh, who was the first uh, who understood the basic uh, physical mechanism uh, producing superconductivity. He understood that uh, to make uh, a superconductor uh, a special interaction between the moving electrons uh, and uh, the phonons of the underlying um, lattice uh, had to play a, a crucial role. He was lacking something which has been introduced later uh, by by Bardin, Cooper, and Schiffer. Okay, this is a, an historical uh, consideration. It, this is to say that he was a very brilliant physicist, and uh, uh, he proposed an interesting uh, phenomenon, uh, the possibility of uh, an interesting phenomenon which could take place uh, in macromolecules. He was intrigued by uh, the high efficiency of enzymatic reactions. And so his idea and uh, the model the theoretical model that he proposed uh, was uh, uh, concerning uh, the fact that uh, a, a macromolecule externally fed by energy, for example, uh, ATP hydrolysis or uh, anything <laughs> which could possibly supply energy inside cells, to an enzyme, an enzyme is a, is a protein. Okay, under uh, this uh, uh, energy, external energy supply, when uh, the energy input rate uh, of this energy supply exceeds a critical value, according to the model that he proposed, this macromolecule uh, could undergo a, a, an interesting phenomenon, which we can call uh, phonon condensation. But in, in simple words, uh, instead of uh, having uh, incoherent uh, vibrations due to the random heats uh, of uh, water molecules surrounding uh, the protein, uh, just because of this uh, supply of external energy, the protein uh, could enter a state of coherent vibration. So, in other words, all the atoms or all the uh, subunits, uh, the amino acids and so on, composing a protein would move coherently uh, with a, a, an oscillatory motion. Okay. In so doing, since uh, uh, these macromolecules, uh, as I told you before, are charged and have non-vanishing electric dipole, uh, 
the activation of this coherent uh, oscillation uh, would bring about uh, a, a giant electric dipole oscillation. And uh, in the slide number eight, uh, uh, there is uh, this cartoon uh, showing uh, incoherent thermal vibrations with metronomes, uh, each one uh, representing a sub a part of, of a protein and vibrating at its own pace. Whereas uh, uh, under this uh, uh, phenomenon, the activation of this collective vibration, all the subunits of a, of a macromolecule behave coherently. Eh? And uh, so with a, with a coherent and collective uh, oscillation. And then uh, what Herbert Freilich was able to show is that if you have two objects, two such objects oscillating and so bringing about uh, giant dipole uh, oscillations, but of resonance, so at different, uh, if this vibrate uh, at different frequency, uh, the interaction potential falls off with the distance as the inverse sixth power of the intermolecular distance. And uh, this is like the, the same law of the van der Waals uh, uh, potentials. And this is a, a short range potential. Uh, this doesn't go very far, uh, only few angstroms. Whereas uh, if the molecules uh, vibrate at the same frequency, I don't know if you see uh, the movie, the, the, this object uh, uh, oscillating. If they oscillate at the same frequency, uh, the interaction potential falls off as the inverse of the cubic power of the intermolecular distance. And this is uh, a so-called long-range uh, potential. Okay. And so uh, there is another interesting uh, property of, uh, of such potential. It is, it is selective. This corresponds to the activation of a selective attractive force. Selectivity comes from, uh, from the resonance, okay? Okay. All these... Uh, uh, all this uh, stems from uh, standard uh, electrodynamics. There is nothing, uh, nothing very special, uh, except that for a long time, uh, no experimental proof or uh, disproof has been possible because of, uh, essentially, because of technological reasons. In the uh, slide number 10, uh, there is a, a summary of what I told. This, mecha this mechanism of Freilich condensation, so the activation of collective vibration, again, under, uh, under a energy, a, an external excitation, an external, an external energy input, uh, 
uh, brings about giant dipole oscillation. The screening effects uh, are no longer uh, effective. There is no device screening because the frequency of these dipole uh, uh, oscillations of these collective motions are uh, expected in the sub-terahertz range, typically 0.11 terahertz. And uh, in this frequency region, uh, the electrolyte, the, the, the cytosol, is transparent, and also the dielectric constant uh, of, uh, of the cytosol drops to a very small value. And so uh, these uh, uh, electrodynamic uh, interactions uh, can be effective also at, uh, in principle, at uh, long distances. OK, then uh, Herbert Fröhlich, and uh, if you can see the slides, the, uh, I'm referring to slide number 11. Herbert Fröhlich uh, put forward his model uh, in a quantum mechanical uh, framework. And uh, uh, this has been criticized because uh, uh, the, the energy uh, range of these uh, uh, vibrations, of these uh, oscillations, is uh, comparable to the thermal uh, energy, to KBT, uh, the typical uh, um, uh, the typical uh, ther uh, thermal noise at uh, a given temperature t. In other words, uh, uh, the wet, warm, and noisy environment uh, is considered uh, unable to uh, sustain uh, or to allow uh, a coherent uh, uh, quantum phenomenon, as in principle uh, it was proposed by, by Herbert Friedrich. Moreover, biomolecules are too heavy, and so, uh, okay, I don't know if I, uh, I don't want to enter in, in too much details, but, uh, okay, the thermal wavelength, the thermal uh, quantum wavelength associated to a, a big object like uh, a protein is very short. And so, uh, to make uh, <laughs> the story short, uh, the original proposal by Herbert Freilich has, has been criticized and marginalized, and also almost forgotten for many years. And uh, uh, more recently, with uh, uh, my young collaborators, with my typically PhD students, uh, we have uh, dequantized the original uh, Freilich model. In other words, uh, uh, this is uh, too technical. If somebody is interested, uh, you, you can write to me. I can I, I can give all the all the details. But uh, we, we we have taken 
the, the, the idea, we have kept the original idea of a, an out of equilibrium system. In other words, we consider a macromolecule as an object through which energy flows, and of course, uh, it has also to, it cannot accumulate uh, energy, otherwise it would destroy the molecule. It has to also to dissipate, and there are many different uh, standard mechanisms of energy dissipation. This is what is called a, an open system, uh, an out of, out of thermal equilibrium open system. And we have reformulated by, uh, okay, there are uh, uh, theoretical techniques to associate to a quantum system, a classical one. And uh, we have seen that in our classical version of the original quantum version of this uh, uh, model of, uh, of the activation of collective vibrations of macromolecules, we have seen, we have found again the same phenomenology. In this slide, the slide number 12, if you can see it, uh, I have reported uh, some, uh, the, the amplitudes of uh, a few modes of, uh, of a model that you have considered, and uh, uh, the different panels uh, refer to different uh, values of the energy input rate. And what we have observed uh, is that, again, when uh, the energy input rate in the molecule is sufficiently high, is, uh, exceeds some threshold value, then the fundamental mode, the lowest uh, frequency mode, takes all the energy. And uh, in so doing, we excite, uh, we, we think that we can also, in a classical context, uh, uh, we could observe uh, the, 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 the phenomenology that was uh, predicted by Herbert Friedrich. Okay, then uh, if this is the case, in, uh, in other words, if uh, we can actually uh, think these collective vibrations can be excited in, uh, in macromolecules, typically proteins, but in principle also uh, on DNA. Uh, okay, then uh, a priori uh, we can imagine, and we have done, uh, of course, all the uh, theoretical uh, computations and predictions. Uh, so uh, we, we could excite uh, uh, electrodynamic interactions, electrodynamic forces, attractive forces between uh, macromolecules. Okay, if this is the case, how can we uh, detect them? Uh, okay, and the idea uh, was to, uh, to study the diffusion behavior of uh, uh, of proteins uh, in uh, aqueous uh, solution, and uh, uh, okay, imagine then that we have a, a, a solution of this uh, of some given uh, protein, and imagine that we can excite uh, by feeding energy with some 
in some way. We will see how we uh, did it. And imagine that actually we can excite these collective vibrations. And so we can activate these long distance electrodynamic forces, attractive forces. Uh, what uh, can we expect? For example, uh, concerning the the way this uh, molecule. Fuck you, fuck you, moves. fuck you, fuck your mother. <laughs> what happens? We had a troll. He's been booted. Carry on. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. So if you look at <clears throat> slide number 13, uh, I wrote some equations, but uh, this is, if you're not familiar with the Langevin equations, I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It is just to tell that we can. Uh, make computations, uh, theoretical computations and uh, numerical simulations uh, with computers, and we can uh, study how the, these molecules diffuse, how they behave, how they move inside uh, a, a solution if we are able to excite uh, these uh, uh, collective vibrations. There is a parameter which is called uh, a diffusion coefficient, uh, which can be uh, experimentally measured. And uh, if you can see the slide number 14, this is how experimentally we can measure this parameter, this diffusion coefficient. In other words, uh, <clears throat> uh, how the square display, the average square displacement for an initial position of an object uh, behaves in time. And uh, uh, I've given here the scheme of, uh, of um, an equipment which is called, uh, the, the, the method is uh, the fluorescence correlation spectroscopy. The device is uh, a confocal microscope, which uh, uh, focalizes in a very small volume of a femtoliter, uh, uh, so 10 to the minus 15 of a liter, uh, a, a laser beam. And uh, uh, if, uh, if you can see the slide number 14, uh, top right, uh, you have a red uh, uh, line inside the circle. Uh, the circle represents the section of the confocal volume of the microscope, uh, so where the, a laser beam is focused. If you have a fluorescent molecule uh, which crosses this uh, uh, confocal volume, uh, you have a spike. Uh, there is a, a small figure representing a, a spike of fluorescence. And of course, if we have many uh, molecules uh, uh, crossing this, uh, this volume, we have what is represented in the panel on the bottom left. So a, a noisy signal. Of course, uh, the, the device is called confocal because you, uh, you focus uh, uh, the, the laser beam uh, in, in, in the solution, 
in a solution, for example, uh, an aqueous solution of, uh, of proteins, but then uh, the fluorescence is uh, uh, detected backward uh, and uh, uh, and then it is collected back backward, detected by a device, and uh, you, you get uh, this uh, noisy signal, but by computing an autocorrelation function, okay, by uh, making some suitable uh, treatment of these uh, apparently random and noisy signal, we can uh, get uh, the typical crossing time of a fluorescent molecule across this volume, and we can compute this uh, diffusion parameter, so how fast uh, the molecules diffuse. Okay, then, uh, uh, then the idea was, uh, uh, is this uh, approach uh, really effective to understand whether the molecules in solution actually uh, attract each other with a long-range uh, interaction. And, okay, this is perhaps a too technical detail, but uh, we tested this uh, approach, this experimental approach, by using uh, um, molecules uh, with opposite charges and uh, in water without uh, any screening, without salt, so that the electrostatic interaction, which is a long-range, long-distance interaction, is not screened. And, uh, okay, I don't enter the details unless somebody is interested in them, and uh, we, uh, this experimental step, uh, we had many experimental steps and theoretical steps, but the, the, this was a, a, an important step forward showing that actually, if we have molecules that attract each other at long distances in solution, then uh, this experimental approach uh, uh, is the good one. And uh, the theoretical predictions uh, were in, in excellent agreement with the experimental outcomes. Okay, electrostatic interactions are long-range interactions, but built-in because we used lysozyme uh, and a dye, and I don't remember which one is positively charged and which is negatively charged, it doesn't matter. They attract each other. Okay, then uh, we had uh, two uh, main step forward. We made two main step forward. Uh, the first one, uh, so I skip all the preparatory, uh, the preparatory uh, work uh, except the check that the fluorescence correlation spectroscopy is uh, actually an effective way of approaching the problem. But we, we made two ma major steps forward. The first one was uh, the experimental uh, observation of the activation of a collective uh, oscillation, a coherent oscillation of a, of, a, um, of a protein. And the second one 
which is the main uh, achievement, and this is the core topic of my talk, uh, so recently, recently published in Science Advances, uh, uh, was the, the fact that once you are able to put uh, proteins in a, in a state of collective oscillations, then they actually attract each other with an electrodynamic interaction at very large distances with respect uh, up to uh, 1000 angstroms, which is very long uh, compared to Van der Waals uh, chemical uh, uh, forces, uh, covalent bondings, H bondings, all the known forces, uh, all the known uh, intermolecular forces act at few angstrom, are effective only at five, uh, four, five uh, angstroms. But, uh, whereas uh, the, the, the electrodynamic uh, attractive forces are effective at least in the cases that we studied, up to 1,000 angstroms. Okay, so what about the first step? The first step uh, consisted in two different uh, uh, experiments carried on uh, in Montpellier and in Rome. So with two different uh, experimental setups, we have in the slide 17 uh, uh, two photos of, uh, of these uh, uh, equipments. And uh, uh, what we did, let me skip to slide 18, uh, we used uh, the, the BSA molecule <coughs> protein, which bovine serum albumin, which is mainly composed of alpha helices, uh, we attach it, covalently attach it to lysine uh, residues, uh, an average number of five, six uh, dyes, uh, the Alexa uh, 488 uh, dye. Uh, the name of this dye is 488 because it is uh, excited, it absorbs uh, light in the blue. Uh, range of, uh, of, of the visible spectrum. And so we used to excite uh, uh, this uh, dye, which is called a chromophore. Uh, this, uh, th these dyes are, uh, were attached to the proteins. Uh, so, and uh, exciting them by an argon laser, which uh, which uh, at 488 nanometers, uh, we created hot spots on uh, each molecule. And uh, these hot spots produce what is called uh, a protein quake. In other words, uh, these hot spots uh, down convert the energy that. Uh, the residual energy between the absorption of the blue light and the re-emission of green light, so that uh, each chromophore, each dye molecule has uh, 0.2 electron volt uh, left uh, for each uh, blue photon received and, uh, and after 
having re-emitted a, a green photon. Uh, these uh, hot spots uh, uh, then uh, down convert their energy uh, into the uh, phonons, into the vibrations of the molecule. And, okay, we have also studied this mechanism and uh, uh, the, the, the experimental uh, devices uh, that uh, are represented in the, in the slide 19. Uh, to the left, we have uh, the Montpellier um, uh, detector, which was uh, uh, mainly composed of a nanoantenna. Uh, if you see the slide, uh, I've represented uh, the, a, a drop of, uh, protein, of, of proteins in solution and uh, uh, the visible light, the blue light of the laser excites, uh, the, the, creates the, these hot spots uh, on, on each protein. And then by terahertz radiation, making a sweep in frequency, we can uh, see what happens. And I, I, in, in a moment, I will tell you what happens. And uh, to, the, to, to the right, we have the scheme of the detector in, in Rome. Uh, the, the detector in, in, in Rome was uh, a FET transistor, which, uh, of which we used the, a, a, a layer, a two-dimensional layer of electrons, which is the detector uh, uh, of the terahertz radiation with about I antenna and so on. But all, all these are technical details. And, uh, uh, okay, let me skip to the slide number 21. Uh, what we observed is, uh, uh, was uh, a, a, a strong absorption line at 314 gigahertz. If you, if you can see the panel to the top uh, left, the red uh, points uh, are uh, those, uh, excuse me, I have to check. Okay, I'm still here. Uh, the, the left top panel shows uh, uh, a, a comparison between the outcomes in Montpellier and in Rome. The, uh, the black points are the outcomes in Montpellier, the red ones are the outcomes in, uh, in uh, Rome, and they, uh, they perfectly superpose, uh, uh, showing an absorption line at 314 gigahertz. And, uh, okay, we observed uh, uh, also a threshold phenomenon. The uh, bottom left panel shows that we have uh, to use uh, a laser power exceeding some uh, threshold value in order to observe uh, uh, this absorption line. In the small inset, we see a, a saturation phenomenon when the input energy rate uh, becomes uh, very large. To the, uh, uh, to the, um, on the 
top right panel, we see a, a, a formula uh, which is which represents the oscillation frequency of an elastic sphere uh, put in vibration and uh, in in uh, the so-called spheroidal uh, uh, oscillation mode, imaging an elastic sphere uh, becoming an ellipsoid, uh, oblate, prolate, and so on. So uh, oscillating uh, from different uh, ellipsoidal uh, shapes. Uh, okay, there is a formula, a formula where uh, uh, we entered uh, some uh, uh, known parameters, uh, uh, experimentally known parameters uh, of, uh, of this uh, uh, protein, uh, the so-called Young modulus, uh, density, hydrodynamic radius, and this gave us uh, 308 gigahertz, so very, very close uh, to the observed value. And, uh, okay, this is uh, uh, then our theoretical model, the uh, panel uh, on the bottom right, uh, shows qualitatively uh, the existence of a threshold phenomenon and of saturation. I'm making a long story short, but uh, the meaning of, uh, of uh, these experiments uh, uh, was very clear and beyond any doubt. Uh, by bringing out of thermal equilibrium uh, these proteins, uh, we excited, uh, we, we were able to observe the excitation of uh, collective vibrations. So as predicted originally by, the, by Freilich and confirmed by our classical uh, uh, version of the original Freilich model. Okay. Okay. Then, then the second step uh, is the following. You, you can see a scheme uh, on the slide number 22. On top, I don't know if, if you can see if these are of good quality, but anyway. We have represented the situation of these uh, uh, molecules uh, in the absence uh, of uh, an energy input, uh, an external energy input, and we have represented uh, a Brownian motion. So they move randomly uh, because of the collisions uh, of the heats of. Uh, water molecules. When we switch on uh, the laser, so an external source uh, of, uh, of uh, energy, uh, we are uh, at the same time activating these uh, collective vibrations and uh, these, uh, this flat blue, uh, uh, how to say, environment, uh, we have represented this uh, uh, this deformation as uh, a typical representation of the of the presence uh, of uh, an interaction potential of something which makes uh, an attraction between uh, the, the molecules. Okay, below we have uh, uh, the, the schemes 
uh, the, the uh, summarized of the of two independent uh, experimental uh, uh, devices uh, with which we have detected the activation of uh, these electrodynamic uh, forces. By the way, what I didn't tell you until now is that even if in principle uh, it was reasonable to expect the, the activation of electrodynamic interactions, uh, the problem uh, was, uh, okay, but are these uh, sufficiently strong to be detected? Are these uh, sufficiently strong uh, to be of any interest uh, in a biological context? And then, of course, I will come back on this point because inside cells we don't have uh, uh, lasers, of course. Uh, so what we have obtained is a proof of principle or a proof of, of concept. The fact that we can, uh, that biomolecules, in particular proteins, can, uh, we, we can activate, uh, or forces acting at very long, long distances can be activated. Okay. Now, uh, we have, uh, on to, uh, let's say, to the right, you see, uh, uh, we have reproduced, uh, we have reproduced uh, uh, the, the 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 scheme of the device uh, with which we study the change of the diffusion uh, behavior of uh, of molecules uh, in, in solution and to the left uh, the, there is a, a, we, we have given the scheme of another approach in other words these uh, uh, collective vibrations once uh, uh, they have been excited. They have a, a, a typical frequency, a frequency which is proper uh, to each uh, molecule. Uh, different proteins have different uh, uh, collective vibration frequency. But if we bring uh, two uh, molecules put in this collective vibration mode, if we if we bring them uh, closer and closer, this uh, frequency shifts. If they interact through uh, this uh, electrodynamic uh, force, uh, then uh, their vibrational frequency shifts. Uh, not, not so much, but with a, a, a well uh, uh, understood uh, law uh, as a function of the, of the intermolecular distance. Okay. If these forces are absent, uh, no matter at which distance you put these vibrating objects, their frequency doesn't change. The frequency remains the, the same. Okay, so we have studied on one side this phenomenon, this effect of uh, frequency uh, shift, and on the other side, what happens to the diffusion properties? Uh, of molecules in solution. So these are two different uh, physical mechanisms, and they give uh, the same uh, answer. So what, uh, the protein that we have used is the so-called red phycoerythrin, which is again a molecule, a protein made 
mainly of alpha helices. Uh, nature has uh, produced this uh, uh, this protein as a natural uh, har light harvesting uh, protein. Uh, so uh, we find these in algae, bacteria, and so on. And the interesting uh, fact, the interesting property of this protein is that uh, it has uh, more than 30 chromophores, which are naturally expressed with the protein, uh, just because it is uh, a light harvesting. Uh, so it has to be efficient in uh, capturing light. In the slide number 24, uh, we can see uh, we can see two uh, absorption lines, so two peaks uh, representing the activation of uh, two collective uh, uh, vibrations of this molecule. And uh, okay, there is a formula representing the typical frequency of a, uh, this is almost a donut shaped uh, object. So uh, we can use uh, a formula, a theoretical formula, giving the frequency of the so called extension modes of a, an elastic torus. And uh, so imagine uh, this. Uh, Torus, this donut, uh, which increases the, 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 the largest radius vibrates. Okay, this is a, a called an extension mode. And the ratio of the uh, two peaks of the, these two frequencies uh, is uh, very close uh, uh, to the ratio uh, theoretically expected uh, between uh, the two. Uh, lower uh, uh, frequencies of the of these uh, extension modes. In other words, uh, also for these uh, uh, for for another protein, not the BSA, this uh, this protein, we we have observed uh, the activation of uh, uh, collective uh, <coughs> vibrational state. Uh, we have uh, again observed uh, a threshold uh, uh, in the energy input rate. Uh, in other words, if you don't feed uh, enough energy per unit time, uh, this uh, uh, collective vibration is not activated. Uh, when you increase uh, the input, uh, the input power of the laser, uh, you observe. Uh, this saturation phenomenon. So uh, everything is uh, more or less familiar. And uh, uh, what happens then in the slide number 26? You can see uh, to the right the experimental outcomes. So these uh, we, we have reported here B over D naught. D naught is. Uh, the random Brownian diffusion value, which is estimated uh, uh, theoretically and uh, uh, by considering the, 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 the value of this diffusion coefficient when the system is highly diluted. And so when this ratio is equal to one, it means that the molecules, uh, the RPE molecules, uh, move uh, 
stochastically, move randomly, move uh, with uh, Brownian diffusive uh, motion. But when uh, the distance uh, is uh, the average intermolecular distance is lowered, uh, this is obtained just by uh, increasing the, the, the protein concentration, then all of the sudden we observe a, 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 a drop of the diffusion coefficient to very small values, and we observe uh, the formation of clusters. And uh, to, the, uh, to the left, you see uh, the, the, outcomes, the, the, the outcomes of theoretical computations showing exactly the same phenomenon. In other words, if uh, we activate these uh, electrodynamic forces, attractive forces, among uh, the, these molecules, uh, when the distance uh, uh, is such that the strength of these forces is not uh, sufficiently uh, large to beat the the, the thermal noise, uh, these molecules uh, move randomly. But when the average distance uh, is uh, shortened uh, so that the strength uh, of these forces can compete with the thermal noise, uh, all of a sudden uh, the, these molecules aggregate, form clusters, and then uh, the clusters diffuse very, very slowly. Okay, uh, so these, uh, the, the theoretical computations uh, uh, explain and are in perfect agreement with, uh, the, with the experimental outcomes. In other words, what we have experimentally observed is the hallmark of the activation of these uh, attractive uh, forces. The drop of the diffusion uh, coefficient, so the formation of clusters, <clears throat> is almost absent uh, for the blue points where the laser power was below the threshold value to activate uh, these uh, collective movements, these collective vibrations. The green and the red points were obtained with uh, different uh, uh, powers of the, of the laser. And the drop is observed uh, around uh, 1,000 uh, 1, angstrom of average intermolecular distance. Okay, now in the slide 27, uh, we have reported uh, uh, snapshots of what we have uh, uh, observed uh, uh, with, this, uh, with this confocal microscope. Uh, Okay, uh, the first two, uh, I don't enter the, the details, but uh, going from the <clears throat> bottom to the top, we have increased uh, the, the, the laser power. And, uh, uh, and uh, for example, take uh, uh, the, the, the snapshots uh, on, on the top. Mm? So, uh, when we switch on uh, the laser in the second panel from the left, we observe 
the formation of clusters. Then <clears throat> we switch off the laser and the clusters are, are destroyed. Huh? Uh, they disintegrate because of the random hits of, uh, of, of water molecules. Then we switch on again the laser and uh, again we observe the formation of clusters and so on. In, on the snapshots on the, the, the second row, uh, the, the, the laser power was uh, lower and, and so we had some, some, some clusters but uh, less evident and uh, okay. We have movies of this, and so this is uh, uh, nice. I don't know if you can see in the slide number 28, in principle, I don't know if you can see. Uh, uh, to the left, we have the absence. Uh, the, the laser power was low, was below the threshold needed to excite uh, the collective aggression of molecules, uh, and so nothing happens. Whereas in the uh, in the panel uh, to the right, uh, we see these uh, uh, white points, uh, uh, blinking points, uh, which are the clusters. Okay, then uh, in the slide number 29, uh, I hope that the quality of uh, uh, is not so poor as uh, what I have under my eyes, but okay. Uh, so uh, we ha we have reported the outcomes of the frequency shifts observed <coughs> uh, on the panel to the uh, top left. We have the frequency shifts observed as a function of concentration of RPE molecules, and the blue points uh, green and red points represent uh, increasing powers uh, of, the, of the laser, which excited uh, the collective vibrations. And, and so, by increasing the laser power, we increase the, the, the amplitude of the collective vibration, we increase the, uh, the, the value of the oscillating dipoles, uh, and so we increase the strength of these attractive forces, and we increase consequently uh, the, the value of the frequency shift. And uh, uh, the points, uh, the, the, the stars, the orange stars and, uh, and, and the squares, I don't see very well. Uh, uh, okay, the squares are the outcomes of, of uh, theoretical computations. Theoretically, uh, the delta omega in other words, uh, uh, the frequency shift with respect uh, to the uh, proper uh, oscillation frequency at high dilution is expected theoretically to uh, be inversely proportional to uh, the cube uh, of the average intermolecular distance, which is in turn directly proportional to the concentration. In other words, by increasing the concentration, we expect a linear dependence of the frequency shift. And this is the theoretical expectation, which is uh, experimentally uh, verified. The bottom panel to the left with these blue squares refer to the frequency shifts observed for the BSA molecule. Uh, 
the BSA molecule uh, uh, molecules uh, uh, we, we have been able to to excite uh, these collective vibrations, uh, the uh, electrodynamic forces, and so to measure the frequency shift, but not the clustering because of a technical problem. The time needed to excite the collective vibrations in the BSA molecules is, is rather long with respect to the average crossing time of these molecules in the confocal volume uh, where we measure the diffusion. Uh, and uh, the, the red phycoerythrin uh, reacts very promptly, uh, very quickly, because it has more than 30 chromophores, whereas the BSA molecule has, um, in the average, as I told you, five, six chromophores that are artificially uh, attached to each molecule. And so uh, the response uh, is, uh, is much uh, slower, and uh, these molecules uh, there's not enough time to be excited when they cross the confocal volume of, of, of the microscope. Uh, whereas uh, in the setup, uh, uh, measuring the frequency shift, uh, the, the, the situation is, uh, is completely different and they, they have enough time to be excited. Uh, and, uh, and so we, we, we could measure uh, the, the, the presence of, uh, of the activation of these electrodynamic forces also for the BSA molecule. Okay, then, uh, then, then I come to the conclusions. And uh, so we have found the first experimental evidence of the activation of these collective vibrations of biomolecules. So at least for two uh, different proteins, which are, I insist, mainly. Uh, made of alpha helices, which uh, in principle should be a facilitating uh, property. We have given uh, the first proof of concept uh, uh, of the possibility, of, uh, therefore, of activating uh, these uh, long distance electrodynamic intermolecular interactions. Of course, uh, uh, we have used uh, the, the resonance uh, was built in because we used identical molecules. Okay, this was uh, to, to get a, a proof of concept, as I told you. But of course, uh, uh, to go towards biology, to understand whether these forces have been exploited by nature during the evolution, uh, we have to uh, make a further, two major jumps. We have to uh, study what happens when we have, and if we have co-resonance between the cognate partners uh, of, uh, of some biochemical reaction. For example, considering ligand receptor, uh, interactions between ligand and receptor, uh, or uh, considering uh, DNA protein interaction, because all the transcriptional machinery uh, in the end uh, uh, consists of <laughs> interactions between uh, proteins and uh, nucleic acids. And of course, uh, another important uh, step 
to, to be done. As I told you, of course, we have no lasers inside cells, but we have biophotons produced by mitochondria, by redox reactions, uh, and, uh, uh, of course, uh, uh, we think uh, of ATP hydrolysis, which produces uh, bullets of uh, high energy, and, of course, uh, uh, the phosphates uh, heating uh, heating the, the, the molecules uh, can, in principle, uh, make a sufficient energy transfer uh, since we have uh, many, many uh, such uh, uh, hydrolysis uh, uh, phenomena in inside cells. So th this could activate uh, this, uh, this long uh, long-distance electrodynamic forces. Perhaps there are also other mechanisms, but we have to investigate. So, the, the, all this is uh, uh, a challenge for future work, and uh, we, have a, a, we have a consortium in, in Europe financed by the European Commission just uh, putting together physicists, uh, uh, biologists, uh, biochemists, and so on, just to uh, try to understand whether uh, these forces could be actually of uh, interest. In other words, if they can be activated in, uh, in vivo. Uh, biologists often uh, talk of uh, recruitment, uh, for example, uh, on many uh, uh, proteins uh, on the membrane of cells. Uh, my colleagues, uh, biologists, uh, say, ah, then these uh, recruits uh, uh, that or that uh, molecule to do this and that. Okay, are these recruitments uh, obtained by uh, the activation of, uh, of this kind of uh, selective uh, and long-range forces? Who knows? Well, this is the uh, subject of the future uh, uh, activity, research activity. Okay, thank you for your attention. It has been somewhat long. And uh, thank you, thank you so much. So uh, yeah, this was a wonderful presentation. And um, I, since this is an informal discussion, I will let you know what's my first ideas were about your work and maybe it's a little bit far-fetched but if we cannot ask here in this club a little bit far-fetched question then where could we yeah so I, when when i read this i thought about the theory of how proteins organize in the cytoplasm it's still a puzzle right um how dna but also different proteins organize themselves into being uh, little organelles or uh, where they stand basically in the cell organization. So my idea was that if this is a force that, uh, that could be um, present in vivo, this could be the mechanism of 
self-organizing proteins in the cytoplasm. And then even further, if you want to go even further, could this be a mechanism how proteins in the beginning self-organized uh, into becoming um, cells or, you know, bacteria, mitochondria, and why I thought that was especially the mitochondria part of the cell was interesting because you mentioned ATP now, but I also, we had the guest speaker here, which gave an interesting talk that's more applied. So if you, in the morning, uh, um, uh, look into bright the uh, the uh, near-infrared lights, he found that uh -huh. the mitochondria get activated to um, to create more energy, so more ATP, to repair um, eyesight uh, in uh, people and um, in um, people uh, that are aging, and it, uh, the eyesight um, health increased or the cell health increased significantly. If you only do this for a couple minutes in the morning, and then uh -huh. he went further and studied that uh, bees become more resilient and he started a whole farm in France actually collaborating now with uh, farmers to uh, in, to expose bees to red light a deep red light in the morning and then they become more resistant against those viruses and fungi that currently are killing the bees and so on so I thought this was maybe a very far-fetched connection, uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's, I think I thought immediately about very uh, basic um, mechanisms of um, how cells became organized and are still organizing themselves. Uh, this is really a really fascinating topic and uh, of course, uh, <laughs> My, my comment is that uh, we can see that nature during evolution has exploited all what uh, could be exploited, you know, all the physical mechanisms, uh, everything. And so it would be uh, surprising, uh, to say the least, uh, that uh, having this uh, uh, tool uh, available, this is not been uh, exploited and so what you're saying uh, of course i hope that this uh, this could this kind of forces could have played uh, a role also in the auto organization of uh, uh, of, the, of the matter from prebiotic to to biotic uh, state for for example but yes uh, how can i say as a physicist, uh, uh, even though all this has been done in collaboration with uh, molecular biologists, but uh, modestly <laughs> made uh, a first step. Now, uh, now a, a lot of work uh, is worth uh, uh, to be done uh, taking these, uh, this possibility into account. And, uh, and I, I, I was I was collaborating with a professor at Rockefeller University who passed away 
few years ago was much older than me and he used to tell me marco ars longa vita brevis that means uh, uh, we have many things to do <laughs> with respect to our lifespan and uh, okay I, I had a question, um, you know, it, it's, first off, it, it, I think um, it's an amazing talk and the results are particularly profound to me. Um, I want to talk about or ask a question and or make a, <laughs> construct a scenario about a very ancient protein, um, fairly ubiquitous, you know, actin, microtubule, cytoskeleton structure. Yeah. And, and um, so actin, uh, I mean, it's a fairly rigid protein, it's small. And, you know, even in molecular dynamics calculations, we see these breathing motions of these na natural modes of, of, of proteins and, um, and certainly on the order of, of gigahertz, hundreds of gigahertz. Yeah, we see those. Um, what I'm curious about, though, is a situation where uh, an, an older or more established cell is in the vicinity of a younger cell that's growing. And mm -hmm. um, actin is being expressed and it, as it diffuses uh, with the resonance modes of an established, uh, you said the length scale is on about the order of 100 nanometers for this effect to be observed. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I'm curious about cell to cell induced uh, microtubule formation in the sense that if, as the actin uh, monomers are diffusing with this effect of uh, from a neighboring cell uh, sort of shave the dice in the sense that uh, concentrating the monomers they would be more concentrated in the direction from the younger cell to the, the, the resonating cell or more established cell in which case the kinetics would favor continued uh, cytoskeleton growth in the direction of the more established huh. cell. Ha, huh. fascinating. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I have not a special comment, except that perhaps if you could, if you send me an email, uh, <laughs> I would really, really I'll develop the thought more, um, but it, it, it seems like prior to any particular signaling or particular uh, signal factor that evolved, this mechanism would have been there all along. And it, it's an emergent um, effect from uh, the natural resonance frequencies of, you know, the, the proteins that, that are there, inherent to the protein. But in, yeah. but in the case where it, you're on resonance, you have a particularly long-range effect, 100 nanometers on the molecular scale. That's you know, that's sufficient for cell-to-cell -cell interactions. Um, yeah. And in the case yeah. of neurons, it's particularly interesting how yeah. Um, yeah how this effect would kinetically favor growth of of a younger cell towards an established resonating older cell. Ah, fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, until now, the only uh, thing that uh, uh, I was thinking of concerning microtubules and cytoskeletons was the fact that tubulin uh, is also made uh, 
mainly oil failures. And so, uh, uh, among other things, what we are uh, uh, what, what we will do uh, will be just to to try to understand whether also tubulin molecules uh, can undergo this. Uh, uh, collective vibrations, and the, if this is the case, for example, uh, the, the the way of modeling the, the dynamical behavior of microtubules could be uh, affected a lot because instead of considering only Van der Waals uh, uh, interactions between tubulins, we should add also these long-range electrodynamic forces, which perhaps could make stiffer. Microtubules and so on. But what you are saying is much more interesting because it concerns, uh, if I understand, well, the interaction or something that happens between cells, not inside a single cell. And so this. Uh, well, yes. This is yes. really intriguing. And and, and you're, you've established a theory to, and and demonstrated the, you know, the course of experiments that would would you know looking at the resonance modes of the. Of actin and in the difference of monomer versus, um, you know, polymeric, and um, you know how those modes change and how those uh, modes and uh, you know would they be effective across cells? I mean, it's a it's fascinating results, yeah. um, and and you know the numbers are suggestive that 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 could be operative. Yeah. Please send me an email. <laughs> and, uh, sure will. I, I would very much, I would very much uh, understand more about this. And uh, yeah, have, thank you. I have it's a very... question, uh, Professor Patina. Yeah, uh, it was a great, great, uh, great talk. Um, I, I could, could you kind of following up on Serena's uh, question? Um, could you, could you try something like? Um, something on the same kind of characteristic length scale, maybe quantum dots or other types of uh, fluorescent um, particles that aren't necessarily proteins and get at, yeah, is there something special about, you know, alpha helical uh, structures or other things and, and, and what, what has been done in that area, maybe? <laughs> uh, good question. Uh, let's say uh, in principle, long-range electrodynamic forces are expected also in quantum uh, in the quantum framework so i don't know if this could be the case of quantum dots but certainly also in the in, in the quantum domain so if you have uh, objects that uh, follow the laws of quantum mechanics uh, in, in that case uh, uh, what you need is to have a a transition uh, frequency, a resonance frequency, say, uh, with respect to the fundamental state and a first excited state with a strong uh, transition probability. And uh, of course, this corresponds to uh, some given frequency. And if you have two objects having the same frequency, the same frequency, they can also uh, interact with electrodynamic forces of quantum nature. And so this is uh, the, the only thing that I can, I can tell you. It is not necessarily related with proteins, with uh, uh, behaving, uh, so to speak, classically. This could be also the case of 
quantum objects. I don't know if this replies to your question. Yeah, and then and then one more question. I guess to what degree do do the objects need to be similar in size in terms of how much variation in their size could they be and still be in a uh, you know a harmonic mode or uh, yeah a resonant mode? If, for example, the proteins might be labeled slightly differently, right? Uh, BSA maybe when you uh, fluorescently label them, they're not all the same number, you know, is it basically a characteristic length scale of the size of the protein? That's the most important dominant factor you think, uh, or could collective motion occur across different size proteins of yeah. different scales? Yeah. In, in, in the, in the formula that I've shown, uh, uh the, the frequency of, uh, of the, um, spheroidal vibrational mode of an elastic sphere. Uh, you have the young modulus, so the, the, the elastic rigidity, so to speak, of, of your object, uh, its density and its hydrodynamic radius, which is uh, the, more or less <laughs> its radius, the, the radius of an equivalent sphere. And uh, so these apparently are the, the main physical ingredients if the object is a, a classical one. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, as, as, I, as I told uh, at the end, uh, what we are after now is to understand whether when we have ligand receptor interaction, for example, or any other kind of biochemical reaction where you have different objects interacting, uh, we, what we uh, have to understand is whether they have co-resonance, whether they have in their spectra, the spectra uh, uh, some coresonance, some frequency uh, bringing about a strong bipolar uh, vibrating mode uh, of the same frequency. Of course, this can be the case also with, with I hope <laughs> at least, with, with very different objects, uh, different insights and uh, in other physical properties. And uh, uh, for example, by the way, I can mention that uh, we, we, with a PhD student of mine, we have been studying uh, in, in what happens to a, an oligonucleotide, so a DNA fragment, uh, and uh, in interaction with uh, a restriction enzyme, EcoR1, which recognizes a subsequence of six uh, uh, nucleotides on the, on the DNA to, to cleave it. And uh, uh, much to our surprise, uh, we, we have been studying uh, the motion uh, of the electrons going back and forth on the DNA and on the, on the enzyme. And we have studied the, 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 the spectra. We have worked out the spectra in, in numerical simulations. And much to our surprise, we have observed a, a sharp coresonance. The cross spectrum gives a sharp peak. And if we change the, the, the subsequence, which is recognized by the enzyme, so we, we make a random uh, rearrangement, uh, this coresonance disappears. And uh, so, uh, so uh, the, the, <laughs> there are so many things to to do to understand and uh, 
of course, well, uh, your question is, is crucial. Okay, thanks. It was great. It's been a fantastic talk, so really appreciate you coming here and sharing, sharing with everyone. <laughs> Many thanks. And this is the lovely thing about our space is that we, we have space to ask all questions and um, make connections that would not necessarily normally be made. <clears throat> Pardon me. Were there, were there uh, any other questions from our team? And then if not, we'll open it up to some of the others. Serena? Is yours? Yeah, if, if there's no other questions, um, let me follow up with the frequency shift um, angle of, um, so in, in, a, in a monomeric state versus bound state, um, there's, there's likely to be subtle changes in the, in the natural modes and the frequencies. And um, it's a curious thing to, you know, if, if there is such a mechanism that will one aggregate the monomers in a favorable direction, but then if, um, you know, as, as the, uh, as the microtubules grow and those monomers, uh, aggregate in their resonance modes change is that if that's more favorable, um, that would, uh, that would even accelerate the phenomenon. And what's, what's so, Curious is all of this is accessible directly from the sequence of the protein, so it would directly be, um, you know, tunable through through mutations of the sequence. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, my, my previous reply perhaps uh, makes an, an analogy. In other words, uh, in our computations, where when we have changed the, the, the sequence of, of amino acids in a, in an oligonucleotide that is uh, destroyed the coresonance with the, with the cleaving enzyme, and so perhaps uh, something similar could be. Uh, uh, our colleagues, biochemists, as uh, uh, as the capability of uh, of doing what you have said, if if I have correctly understood, in other words, uh, changing something in the in the sequence uh, uh, of a protein and observing what happens with the, if if we put uh, them uh, if we change the the, the effectiveness of, of the interaction. Of course, this this could happen. Of course, I don't know if this well, replies to your well, well, yeah, it's. I mean, it directly couples to to the natural selection in the in the you know evolution of the sequence and the tuning. Is that yeah. this, this yeah. is a um, you know having, uh, which you know certainly given the most ancient proteins, would argue that mm -hmm. they've they've optimized to capitalize on this effect wherever it's useful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. But I have no, no, idea no, I'm just. I'm really it. excited. My imagination's running wild. So. <laughs> no, no, no. no it, 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 it's fundamental for for 
scientific research, <laughs> putting these questions and having these uh, this kind of uh, questions open. And uh, yeah, I recently read the paper about the fact that perhaps uh, RNA uh, was the first. Uh, I don't know if it's true. Uh, the first kind of biomolecule of. Uh, uh, having at the same time uh, an enzymatic property and the capability of uh, self-reproducing. And uh, but you need uh, at least uh, something like uh, hundred uh, nucleotides to to to, to make a, a chain of at least one hundred uh, nucleotides. And uh, I read the paper where somebody tried to uh, figure out uh, the probability of a. a a random uh, uh, formation of such a, a, a polymer, <laughs> it, it, it comes out, it, it comes out uh, uh, 10 to the minus 100. It means that if you put any time scale there, uh, picoseconds, femtoseconds, or whatever you want, you, you get a, a huge uh, waiting time. That, Hints to the fact that some uh, mechanisms, some, some acceleration, uh, had to be an, at work at the, at the very beginning, and perhaps it's still at work. So, so uh, in French, we say that uh, your words do not fall in the ear of death. <laughs> so. Uh, it means that, of course, I'm resonating with your uh, comments. Well, you touched on one of my favorite topics of abiogenesis, but that would be a whole nother room. I, I, <laughs> I wonder how much longer do we have you for? Pardon me? Uh, for today, I, we've been going a bit. How, how much longer do we have you in the room? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it is uh, it is uh, a quarter to nine here, but uh, no, no, no problem, no problem. But again, if you want to uh, to discuss, also uh, we can keep in touch with uh, email or whatever. The biogenesis is uh, is a fascinating topic, also to me and. Uh, uh, what email would you prefer us to contact you if we were to contact you? Because I'm already drafting the email that I'm going to be sending you. Uh, our, our team actually found interesting results in the, I guess, lower gigahertz range with Oligos last year. And we used part of that technology to uh, advance kind of the state of the art for rapid identification. Because some of these proteins are, have sufficiently unique signatures such that it may be possible given sufficiently um, accurate instrumentation. And our question was, could we use commodity hardware, like uh, commercial hardware, not industry or laboratory grade hardware, to do the same kind of measurements? And we use um, some RF and optical, but um, we use like a vector network analyzer. You mentioned some sort of uh, spectrometer and, and other components. So it would be fascinating to uh, compare notes if you would be willing and uh, yeah, and I also sent you a paper that came out last year from uh, e Iran. So Iran, given all the sanctions, they still advance. So 
Uh, wow, amazing. <laughs> the Iranian people never <laughs> cease to impress me. But the paper is called Mathematical Resonance of DNA. And it uh, uh -huh. did a console simulation to show that there were some resonances. So, uh, and when we measured uh, things, they were very similar. So we were very excited about that. And uh, the, t the uh, similar technology is used or has been developed to do non-invasive wireless um, glucose monitoring. So like an Apple Watch uh, has an, uh, maybe the next generation will have an RF um, set of electronics and be able to monitor our uh, blood sugar. Well, perhaps we can measure all these other molecules as well. And uh, the way that I think of it, you always got to have good poetry, right? So I think of it like yeah. you change the song, you change the dance. So uh, uh -huh. I've been waiting <laughs> since you started speaking to drop that line. So <laughs> thank you. Thank uh -huh. you, Marco. Okay, I, I can add something. Um, uh, collective modes uh, of biomolecules have been observed by means of terahertz spectroscopy and uh, uh, far infrared spectroscopy, also at the beginning of the 80s of last century. The problem is that these uh, modes have been observed uh, at uh, equilibrium. In other words, uh, the terahertz or infrared uh, radiation at the same time excited the mode, was a way to probe the possibility of this uh, vibrational mode. Uh, whereas uh, uh, what we have been doing, and what was also the original proposal by Herbert Freudich, is, is something else. In other words, the, 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 that particular mode can be actively excited and by feeding energy. And uh, because the problem, for example, with terahertz spectroscopy, and so looking at the signatures of uh, molecules uh, in solutions and so on, uh, is uh, uh, hindered or made, made uh, rather difficult by the fact that water uh, strongly absorbs in the terahertz uh, frequency range. And we, we have been able to observe these uh, uh, vibrations in the terahertz uh, frequency range because we, we excited the out of equilibrium. So these objects were actively uh, oscillating. Uh, you see what I mean? Yes, I understand. Yeah, yeah. That's a, a, I, we have a similar hypothesis as well. So uh, it, it would be interesting if once you get a chance, if you get a chance, because, you know, this is also, I, I would classify this field of research as radioactive, for lack of a better term, yeah. because. Uh, Many, many scientists have come and tried to explain this and have lost their careers. Um, <laughs> even Nobel Prize winners are not immune. Uh -huh. Yeah, so that's all. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so sorry, what email did you say that you would prefer I, us to contact I, you at? Just, I, just to confirm? I sent the email in the in the chat with uh, Eric and our group. So, uh, Eric, if you look okay. at the... Okay, we'll do. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Janelle is just um, my partner in uh, life and science, and we work in our company together. So, uh, full disclaimer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. So, my, my email is very, is very easy. It's uh, uh, marco.pettini, uh, so name and uh, family name, uh, gmail.com. So.
I think I shared the university email, but let me share that also in the group chat. Then. Yeah, yeah, also, also the, the university email. But I, I can read the, the Gmail from my phone. You, you, you yeah. know, okay. in, in France, they, have, they are paranoid, and so they have a lot of firewalls. And <laughs> from my phone, it's difficult to access. Uh, Oh, yeah, so, uh, I have that too. No, 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 my laptop I can read uh, easily. I can access uh, without problems. So when I'm traveling, it's okay. Uh, if I may, I have one question kind of about the origin of this problem. Like when I started looking at our problem, I thought of it very analytically. I thought, oh, I'm going to start off with an equation. It's going to be fancy. There's not going to be any approximations. It's just going to be perfect. And after a while, I realized that that is, you know, very, very unrealistic. But my approach is always to begin from the analytical perspective, perhaps uh, some uh, uh, ground truth or, um, uh, you know, an elementary construction of sorts. Can you comment perhaps on your method or your approach in trying to examine or solve these problems? Okay, uh, for what? Uh, so, uh, the, the, uh, we have, uh, I, I mean, you mean, uh, for example, uh, the, the study of the clustering transition or uh, the frequency shift? So, uh, we, we had many, uh, many steps. So uh, we we made uh, this uh, uh, classical version of the original uh, uh, Freilich uh, model. Uh, we found also uh, not not really an error in the original uh, Freilich proposal, but not far from an error which has been misleading us for uh, for a while. Uh, whereas uh, uh, for what concerns uh, the 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 analytical or the theoretical approach, the theoretical explanation of the outcomes, so the frequency shifts and the clustering phase transitions. For the clustering phase transitions, we have used the Langevin equations in the overdumped uh, approximation, and we have the, the noise uh, uh, representing the random heats uh, of, of water molecules, and the drift term, uh, which represents the interaction uh, of each molecule with all the others. And uh, of course, uh, through uh, a, an interaction potential, which, we, which has the analytical form of the, of the electrodynamic interaction. And in so doing, and, and we also approached, uh, not only with the Langevin equations, of course, we were compelled to, to make numerical simulations. And we also made uh, uh, Monte Carlo simulations. Uh, uh, to May I take... ask what software you use for the simulations? What software did Pardon? you use for the simulations? What? The, uh, the software. Excuse me. Simulations. Uh, what what software did you uh, no, use? No. Like uh, commercial software? Did you use open source software? No, no, no. <laughs> software made by by my PhD students. Ah, always oh, no. the best kind of software. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, because uh, you, 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 you know what you are doing. You tell the, the students to make deep check, deep check, so you know what you are doing. Okay. 
Uh, uh, I, I have a long personal history of uh, uh, of making software by myself, but getting older, <laughs> I've passed the task to my PhD students. Uh, I know, so. Okay, cool. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I think going for two hours um so uh unless maybe somebody still has a very urgent question if not um please share um the questions with me or um with um dr marco Pettini um directly and um yeah this has been such a wonderful discussion i thank you so much marco for making it and uh, for sharing so much knowledge and time with us. This is such a fascinating research and I'm looking forward to uh, the future results in vivo. And uh, <laughs> we, yeah, it's, it will be very interesting. So um, please come always back if you want to share um, maybe updates, new results or anything with us please always okay. come back our events. Yeah. So. <laughs> with pleasure. With pleasure. In any case, many thanks for the invitation and many thanks to the audience for uh, for having been here. Thank you very much, Doctor. Um, it's going to take a long time for me to um, understand just some of the stuff that you were describing. So thank you very much for that. It's amazing. Yeah, ever since uh, Katerina mentioned this talk, uh, I think over a week ago, I've been quite literally waiting every day uh, reading as much as I can, so uh, it's very rare that uh, people come out and talk about this stuff. And uh, it seems like the world is, uh, you know, if it's not coronavirus, it's uh, Putin. So uh, it's always a pleasure that people take time out of their busy lives and uh, share it with us and share their work and their ideas. So very much appreciated, Marco. Many thanks. I, I do agree. <laughs> yeah. Yes, thank you so much it was for just a fascinating uh, body of work and uh, just a profound set of results and um, sure to motivate many, many future experiments and, and I'll be happy to reach out and explore some of the possibilities with you there. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Okay, yeah, thank you everyone okay. and the audience that was here uh, also. And uh, yeah, again, special thanks to you, Marco. And for everyone out there, please join the club if you like um, the, you know, talks like this. We, um, and uh, tomorrow we will have like a short summary of the week. If you didn't make uh, guest speaker talks throughout the week, uh, we will give like a short summary. Um, kind of also rewarding <laughs> so we kind of get to see what we learned throughout the week uh it's kind of <laughs> it's and so it's also rewarding for us and then we can we can answer a few questions that you maybe didn't have the chance to ask if we if we can and um yeah next week we have uh interesting topics on monday it's about elite elite sleeper genes protecting cognition from aging uh, 
Dr. Fu, she is a sleep researcher for many years and uh, will give a very uh, interesting and insightful talk about sleep and her 20 years of research um, in that area. So um, then we have, um, yeah, we have uh, Dr. Bonnet. Uh, he discovered a potential supplement for longer human lifespans. He does work in C. elegans and uh, found a really interesting um, a research there uh, in rejuvenation area. So I'm excited about that. And then we'll have uh, Dr. Van Zundert from Switzerland. Um, excess of neuron toxin is, uh, is associated with ALS, you know, the quest for uh, finding out how ALS um, progresses and why it's been a long journey and um, yeah she made some really uh, interesting progress there so uh, she will she will come here on Thursday and uh, then on Friday we have a talk about ex utero mouse embryogenesis with Dr. Alejandro uh, Castrejon and um, I think it's a very interesting topic for the future um, to have artificial wombs, basically, uh, wow. for mice. <laughs> yeah, they did uh, They did the almost full gestation in mice with artificial womb. So I think sure. it's a really interesting topic too. Yes, because mice don't breed enough as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for the future, you know, to have artificial wombs, I mean, it's very controversial, I agree. Um, Matrix spread. But it's also, I mean, it's maybe, that's my very personal view. Don't take, don't take it wrong. But I would be very happy if I wouldn't have had to be pregnant myself. It would have freed up uh, a lot of time and made me maybe made women throughout history more equal in their career and independence so and uh, the burden i think would be more equal to males and females that's my very personal view you can have you know please don't <laughs> don't um yeah everyone can have their view but i'm personally very interested in that research and i know it's very controversial and probably not mm, very few people agree with me, but I think it's it's at least worth uh, learning about. That's what I thought. And then we can we will have the whole team at some point next week. It's still not one hundred percent established that time about quantum charging to shorten EV charging. It's a whole team from South Korea that is working on on that and it's they made some really interesting progress so you could charge your electric vehicle batteries in two or three minutes so i think for me it would be great because i have electric vehicle and it's annoying to supercharging is still a whole hour <laughs> so anyways <laughs> yeah thank you so much everyone and marco again Special thanks to you, your amazing research. Please come back on Earth again.
Okay, with pleasure. And uh, bye, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. You too. Bye, Thanks, bye. Everyone. bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye. bye. Three, two, one. Bye. bye.